What a wild night of college basketball on Wednesday. It was so much fun. Comebacks, near comebacks, court storms. It was electric. The atmospheres were great. How can you not love this sport? You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, what's up? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there. I'm your host today, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you so much for joining us, especially you everydayers who were locked in and tuned in all the time. We can't thank you enough. If you'd like to be a bigger part of this Locked On College Basketball community, come join our Discord where that entire Wednesday night of awesomeness, we were all unpacking it together and we will be doing so throughout Thursday and we'd love to have you join us. Do it. The link is in the show notes. Um, Hey, overview of the show today. We're going to walk all the way around the second night of the ACC SEC challenge, but there was some other really great basketball that took place on Wednesday night. We had a big time upset. We had somebody wearing the wrong tights. It's a whole Peter Pan situation going on in Kentucky. And uh, our undefeated watch lost a couple people on Wednesday night. So we are now down to only 20, 20, 20 remaining undefeated schools in D1 men's college basketball. So ACC SEC challenge, it's the inaugural year. How does it turn out? A dead tie. You know what I mean? It's like nothing worse than a tie. Could we not have some kind of tiebreaker here? I know it's meaningless and it doesn't matter at all, but I just I just need a winner. I hate tying. That's why I'm not a big soccer fan, except for the Olympics and the World Cup. Um, it's funny, though. The ACC actually would have won this. Florida State was up 17 with, I think it was like six and a half, 645 to go and choked it away. Georgia came back and won 68-66. And so there is your tie. Um, I want to start by talking Duke in Arkansas. Number seven Duke at Arkansas, Bud Walton Arena. And you talk about electric atmospheres. That place was bumping. I live an hour and a half north of Fayetteville, Arkansas, and I could feel the tremor from where I live in Webb City, Missouri. Uh, Arkansas gets this thing 80 to 75. So let's start right there. Bud Walton Arena. The Hogs hold off this major crazy push from Duke late. We got a court storming uh, while the PA announcer is telling everyone to stay off. No, don't come out. No, come on. You kidding me? That's not going to happen. They're waiting to erupt in Fayetteville and erupt. They did now. Duke had a great comeback down the stretch. Arkansas had a less than great ability to break the press or deal with Duke's pressure. And so kudos to Duke for showing that kind of resolve in, in for them kind of untenable atmosphere, but ultimately it's a win for Arkansas and a loss for Duke. And, and that's where it is. So, you know, my big question heading into this game for Arkansas, they had just lost two in a row uh, at their last two games of Atlantis to Memphis and then the North Carolina Honestly, they probably should have lost their first game to Stanford. And the game before that, they had lost UNCG. So they're coming into this thing having lost three of four. Tremont Mark is not going to play because of that injury suffered against North Carolina. And you're, I'm just wondering, like, what is Arkansas going to be? Is somebody else going to step up? Who's going to fill the void left by Tremont Mark? 
Are they going to continue to just be a bunch of really talented basketball players that can't put it together for 40 minutes? Well, we know they can in Bud Walton because they did it in that preseason exhibition game against Purdue where they beat the Boilermakers, the clear and definitive number one team in the nation. Well, the answer was yes, they could. Even without Tremont Mark, they could kind of turn around things and start moving in the right direction. Is this a sign of longer and better things to come for Arkansas? I'm not ready to say that yet because what we've just seen leading up to this, I think is more telling than one game in a raucous home arena. But they did it. They won. So, uh, you know, right out of the gate, Kyle Filipowski gets, picks up two fouls in the first five minutes, has to go to the bench. Um, Devo Davis for Arkansas got banged up in the first half. So he didn't come back in really much at all, like right at the very end of regulation. And then I think one other time in the second half, he came back in, but, but he wasn't in. Um, Jeremiah Davenport, like it was looking to me like Duke was going to take a halftime lead, but uh, Jeremiah Davenport hits a three with about a possessions worth of shot clock uh, left on the game clock to go before halftime. Duke couldn't get anything on the other end and Arkansas goes to the locker room with the lead. Um, and then they just kind of slowly expanded that lead in the second half, got up to a 14 point lead with just over eight minutes to go. And it's looking like, Hey, Arkansas might cruise this thing home on autopilot a little bit here. Um, but you know that Duke is never, never going to give up on anything like that. And so uh, credit again to the Blue Devils for fighting back. So who did step in and step up for Arkansas in the absence of Tremont Mark? Um, number one, it was Caleb Battle. 21, five rebounds, five assists off the bench. Great performance from him. Love it. And... Uh, it was great to see Trevon Brazil. You might remember had a zero burger against North Carolina in the third place game of battle for Atlantis. Um, prior to that, I think he had had double doubles in each of the prior two games. I'm, I'm wondering if there's that, that North Carolina game was a result of, he's just working his way back from that ACL last year. You know, I, I know modern medicine has like warp speeded, these these injuries you know we had Zakai Ziegler playing back for Tennessee on Wednesday night in fact started for the first time again this season um so so injury recovery time is is shrinking rapidly which is crazy but in a three games in three days scenario I wondered if uh Trevin uh Trevon Brazil you know was just struggling a little bit physically um now a couple days to rest relax um, and he's just doing big things. Brazil was uh, 19 points, 11 boards, four of seven from three. That's his highest career made three pointers in a game. And so really, really big stuff from him. In fact, one of those threes was a massive one. There was about two 20 ish left and he had a three to go up by 12. And um, but then Duke started chipping away um, and, you know, you just they just started doing silly things that were revealing of why they've not been very successful so far this year. It's like they were able to put it together for like, you know, the first 37 minutes or so, and then just kind of crap the bed down the stretch. Um, for example, there was one point when Jay Billis goes, all right, if you're Arkansas here, no fouls and no threes. And I kid you not, I, I could not have written this more perfectly. I, I forget who shot the three, but a cut, literally a less than 10 seconds later, a Duke player shot a three, missed it, but was fouled in the act of shooting. And so it's just like, 
the the hilarity of that situation playing out was great. Um, but Arkansas down the stretch just couldn't handle the pressure. They weren't coming to get the ball from from ball handlers or to get the ball in. The it's like their press break was not well arranged, and which I know isn't Coach Musselman's like style. So that it was just weird. Like they were just like, uh, maybe we can break this press. We don't really know. But Duke, I mean, they cut it to four points with 46 seconds left. They cut it to three points with 15.4 seconds left. And Foster even had a three to cut it down to a one-point game with nine seconds left. But he missed. Arkansas rebounds. That's it. That's your game, and that's all. So for Duke, I'll say this. Sure, you lose the game, and you hate to do that, and now you've lost twice this season. And it's like, boy, what? Come on. Um, We had massive expectations. Well, Duke still can and still does and still should have those massive expectations. That Arizona team that beat them in Cameron is a phenomenal basketball team. Going, I I don't know if any team in America was winning this game at Arkansas on Wednesday night. So I think what you're able to take away if you're Coach Shire is we fought like heck and we fought like crazy to stay in this thing, get back in it. And we came really close in this arena and that is encouraging. And I know there's no uh, moral victories, but still, he's got a lot of good teachable moments coming out of this. I think the the question that a lot of people are going to ask is, are we wrong about Duke? Should we be worried about Duke? I'm not worried about Duke. Now, um, if they start dropping off games they shouldn't be losing or are non-competitive, that's a different thing. But that was not the case in the Arizona loss, and that was not the case in this loss. I'm not worried about Duke. I still think they're a phenomenal basketball team. Uh, elsewhere in the nightcap of the ACC-SEC Challenge, this all of the final four games all tipped at 9-15 Eastern. You had BC at Vandy. BC winning 80-62. to Vandy is off to a bit of a struggle at the start. I already mentioned UGA coming back from 17 down late in the second half to knock off FSU in Florida, uh, 68-66. And then Auburn kind of took care of business at home against Virginia Tech, 74 to 57. So we've got three other ACC SEC games to get to, but the crown one was the first one that tipped off on Wednesday night. The number one defensive unit in the nation at Ken Palm gave up a hundred points on Wednesday night, including 61 in the first half. What on earth happened to the Tennessee volunteers in Chapel Hill on Wednesday night? We'll get to that in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers to roof racks, exhaust kits to LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your parts guaranteed to fit your ride every single time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. So keep that ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Okay, let's move from 
talking about Duke and Arkansas to moving to talk about Duke's arch rival, the North Carolina Tar Heels, who were at home hosting the number 10 Tennessee Volunteers. Or uh, in our locked on rankings, Tennessee was eight, Carolina was 16. Tar Heels win this game 100 to 92. If I so that's 192 points. If I remember correctly, the over under was like 140 something, which even I thought that was high. Like I was like, yeah, take the under. I think I, I picked the game. Um, at like Carolina 65, Tennessee 62. <laughs> yeah, not even close to that for either team. I mean, Carolina scored 61 points in the first half, and I picked it 65 to 62. Hilarious. Here's the big takeaway for me. The question, you know, I talked about my question for Arkansas coming into that game. My question for North Carolina, despite the fact that they were favored at FanDuel by a point and a half, was is North Carolina tough enough to hang with Tennessee? To just at, at least come close to matching Tennessee's toughness. We had seen some of that last week in Atlantis against Villanova and against those same Arkansas Razorbacks, but Tennessee is a different animal. It's a different beast, particularly with their defense. I came in to the game questioning, which is the weakest of these four units? And on paper and at Ken Palm, it was Tennessee's offense. Never in a million years did I dream that the weakest unit on the court, at least for the first 20 minutes, was going to be the, the, the Tennessee defense. What on earth was happening? So the answer to was Carolina tough enough is not only were they tough enough to meet Tennessee's toughness, they exceeded it. They were the aggressors. They were the quicker ones to lose balls. They were on the floor getting rebounds, deflections, pokeaways. Like that first half was was crazy. North Carolina out Tennessee, Tennessee. That's what we saw in the first half. I, like the, to fathom that any team dropped a hundred points on a Rick Barnes coach team is bonkers to me. It's just the second time they have ever the Vols uh, allowed a hundred points in the Rick Barnes era. In fact, this season they hadn't allowed more than 35 points in the first half. Carolina got 61. And the 22-point halftime deficit was the largest deficit Tennessee has ever faced under Rick Barnes. And yet they, just like Duke, almost came back to win this game. That was a storyline of the night. We'll see it again in the Colorado-Colorado State game. It's wild. Like, here's another way to look at it. How crazy this is. I just want to keep painting this picture of how nuts this first half was. Tennessee on the season was averaging 61 and a half points allowed for and then for like points per game, the entirety of the game. 61 and a half. Carolina scored half a point fewer than that in the in half of that time. What on earth? That, that, that was a crazy display, the likes of which I don't think we'll see again against a Rick Barnes coach team. But as you expect, uh, Tennessee comes back out from halftime a little bit more ready to go. The Honestly, the, the standout player from either team in this game is Dalton Connect. You know that we have been a champion of his on this show. Um, I, I talked about him all summer that I, I loved him was really excited. I mean, you've got Jimmy Dykes in this game talking about him now as a first-round draft pick next summer. Like, what? Crazy. But, I mean, he was all up in his bag on Wednesday night, and you saw it all on display. I mean, Rick Barnes just started putting the ball in his hands to bring up the court. He's raining from outside. He's getting to the rim. He's um, 
knocking him down from the free throw line. Sad thing, though, is he finishes with 37 points. And as he was about to go to the free throw line to set what was going to be a record for the most points uh, an opponent had ever scored in the Dean Dome. That's pretty crazy. Unfortunately, on that play, rolled his ankle pretty bad, had to go out. Tennessee had to have someone else shoot. Um, and he never came back in the game. So um, that could be an issue for Tennessee because he has been far and away their most productive and most efficient offensive player. And so if it, and, and it's the kind of thing where it's like, we're in this non-con stretch right now. In fact, I should look at Tennessee schedule as I'm talking about this um, because they are going to need him in a major way this season. Um, let's see, here's Tennessee's non-con. Uh, they're off till Tuesday of next week from now. That's that's great news for letting that ankle heal. Uh, and they're home against George Mason. But then Saturday, December 9th, so about nine days from now, they host Illinois at home. Now, while that's a big and important non-conference game, I don't think it's worth risking what's going to happen the rest of the season just to get him back in. Now, if he's ready and he's good, do it. Play him. He needs to be in. you got to have his offense. Um, otherwise, Tennessee starts to look a little bit like what we've seen last year from Tennessee. Great to see Zakai Ziegler get back into the starting lineup. Um, it's going to take him some time to start to trust his body, to trust his shot, to do the things that Zakai Ziegler does. But they need him and they need that to happen. And Tennessee needs more offensive help as well. As for North Carolina, RJ Davis leads the way with 27 coming off scoring 30. I believe it was against Arkansas last week. Armando Baycott had a rough battle for Atlantis. He was back to himself for the Tar Heels, 22 points, 11 boards, 10 of 13 from the free throw line. This dude is shooting 80 plus percent from the free throw line, which is crazy. Three assists and no turnovers for the Tar Heels. Harrison Ingram continues to shine for North Carolina doing a lot of stuff. He might be the key to their success for this whole season. If not, it's freshman Elliot Cadeau, who had his first career double-digit assist game, 10 assists to go along with zero turnovers. And he had one turnover the entire three-game stretch in Atlantis. Watch out for Elliot Cadeau for North Carolina. Check in on that. All right. Um, one, one question you know, same thing that I asked about Duke. I want to ask about Tennessee. Should they be worried? They're on a three-game losing streak right now. Now, as Andy and I said on the show the other day, the first two of these losses that they've just encountered are to the teams that were one and two in the nation at the time, Kansas and Purdue, who are now teams one and five in the nation. And then this one to Carolina, who is, what were they, like 16th in the polls, maybe 17th, but they're 11th at Ken Palm. So all three of these losses are to top 11 Ken Palm teams. I'm not worried about Tennessee. I really think they're going to be fine. I know they've got three losses and we're not even into December. But you tell me who's playing that gauntlet of a schedule. Not many teams at, at all are getting there. My biggest worry right now for Tennessee is, is Dalton Connect's health. Like get this dude healthy and do whatever you got to do to get there. All right. The final two ACC SEC challenge games from Wednesday night. Um, but these were both in the earlier time slot with the North Carolina, Tennessee game. Number seven, Texas uh, 17, excuse me, Texas A&M goes to Charlottesville to take on Virginia. Remember they had just lost a couple games ago to FAU rebounded with a solid win against Iowa state in the ESPN events invitational. But now 
go to Charlottesville and lose to Virginia by 12, 59 to 47. So that's tough, but man, you, we all know this. If you follow college basketball, winning at Virginia is always a difficult proposition, regardless of how good Texas A&M is. And I still feel really good about Texas A&M, to be honest with you. Uh, in fact, the good news to me for A&M is that they got back Henry Coleman, the third in this game, 16 and 14, 16 points, 14 rebounds. So that's a very encouraging sign after um, he missed some time last week with an injury. On the Virginia side of things, they uh, pretty balanced scoring. All five starters were in double figures. It's, and you might be asking, wait, Isaac, I thought you said they only had 59 points. Yeah, they did. But guess why that happened? Zero points off the bench, literally zero and only four shot attempts. So Coach Bennett's going to have to figure something out there uh, to get more production off the bench. He has had that at other times this year, um, but it, it, it cannot be similar to what Miami suffered at Kentucky on Tuesday night. Cannot just rely on these five starters to do it all because teams will find a way, even against Virginia, to, to get their legs taken out from under them. The final game uh, that we haven't touched on yet is Florida at Wake Forest. Uh, expected Florida's been looking really good. Um, beat Pittsburgh in um, the Barclays Center last Wednesday and then gave Baylor a good game on Friday in the championship game. And so I was feeling like, hey, you know, maybe Florida is going to be able to go to Wake Forest and do this. The problem was Micah Hanlockton is out of this game. And so uh, Wake Forest wins it then by 11, 82 to 71. Um, for the Demon Deacons, Hunter Salas, 24, Andrew Carr, 22. These guys are going to be studs. Uh, Steve Forbes has done it again at Wake Forest. Another high, high, high level point guard transfer coming in. Third year in a row of this for Steve Forbes and Wake Forest. Now, if the ACC SEC challenge wasn't enough for you, we've got other bonkers happenings all around college basketball from Wednesday. Like, oh, I don't know, a Louisville player not wanting to play because the team doesn't have the tights that he wants. I'm not even remotely kidding. That is a real thing that happened on Wednesday night. And I'm going to tell you about it in just a second. Right after I tell you about our sponsor today, Prize Picks. Hey, testing my skills over on Prize Picks is the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If if I've got the skills, if you've got the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. It's really simple to play. Uh, you just make your picks, submit your entry. You can do all that in less than a minute. Plus, they've got quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types to make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Just you against the numbers. All you got to do is pick more or less on two to six players' stat projections, and then you just watch the winnings roll in. Here's a super fun one. They're doing like these joint ones now. So Dak Prescott. Uh, against Seattle tonight in Thursday Night Football, and then Bo Nix, Oregon's quarterback, tomorrow night, Friday, in the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, more or less than 604 and a half combined passing yards for Dak on Thursday and Bo Nix on Friday. I love that. That's a simple, It's almost like a parlay rolled into one kind of thing. So go to prizepicks.com slash college and use code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash college and use code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Okay. We've so far talked about two games 
where we had a massive comeback that fell short. That was uh, Duke trying to get back on top of Arkansas. That was Tennessee trying to get back on top of North Carolina. Those two failed. We had Georgia coming all the way back from 17 down to beat Florida State by two. Well, we had another example in the state of Colorado. If you haven't been tracking this, Colorado is a really good basketball team. Colorado State is an even better basketball team, currently 21st in our Locked On Top 25 rankings. Colorado State, the team that was undefeated coming into this one, walks away the victors 88-83. to It was a home game for them. They're up to 7-0, and and the Buffaloes are now 5-2. and uh, I think better days are ahead for Colorado, again, similar to Duke and Tennessee. I'm not worried about the Buffs at all. Uh, Colorado State. If you haven't been dialed in on them, you got to know the name Isaiah Stevens. He is a stud of a guard. 20 points, 11 assists, two steals, two rebounds in this game. Uh, Four other Rams in double figures. A great performance by them. And that's not all five starters and then nothing off the bench for Colorado State like we just said with Virginia. No, this is a total team effort. But what I, uh, Andy and I, Andy Patton and I were texting back and forth about this some What we were enamored by in this game was Isaiah Stevens, his back and forth with KJ Simpson from Colorado. KJ finishes with 30. Cody Williams uh, drops 21 in this game. And so Colorado kind of has this three-headed thing with the two of those guys and De Silva. And I think Coach Tad Boyle is going to have something this season. Um, You know, I talked about Colorado made this push. Colorado State led by 15 at the half. Um, it, it was just a 10 point lead with two seconds before halftime, but Colorado state got five points in the final two seconds before the half. Um, but for, for Colorado again, kudos on the road for cutting this down. They cut it to six on multiple occasions, got it to five on multiple occasions within the final minute of the game. And even down to a four point deficit with four seconds left. Um, they cut it. The lowest they got, it was a three point deficit, um, or excuse me, I'm sorry, they had a three. I I misread my notes that I'd taken. They had a three to cut it to two points with seven seconds, but missed that, kind of similar to what Duke had. So the the true lowest deficit was four, um, and they they just couldn't pull it off. But a great comeback, great resolve on the road there um, for Colorado. uh, Colorado is going to make a ton of noise in the Pac-12. But my thing that I'm even more looking at is Colorado State the best team in the Mountain West with all due respect to San Diego State and Jaden Ledee and the ridiculous season that he's having so far? Keep it Nevada. They're undefeated as well. Mountain West might be a little bit better than perhaps we had thought. Uh, a couple other quick notes for you. Uh, Ole Miss had just gotten a good win on Tuesday night over NC State at home and then on Wednesday learned that transfer Musa Cisse is now going to be eligible to play for them. This is great news for Coach Beard and Ole Miss. Uh, Villanova drops another game. This one is to St. Joe's 78-65. Hey, but let's not sleep on St. Joe's. Remember, they just took Kentucky to overtime last week. They're going to have something to say in the A-10. The fight in Jameer Nelson's are going to do that. Uh, currently, they're third in Ken Palm in the A-10 behind only Dayton, who also got a nice win on Wednesday night. They won at SMU as well as Duquesne. Um. For Villanova, I I don't know what this is. Is this a battle for Atlantis hangover? I mean, shoot, we just talked about Carolina dropping 100 after Atlantis. I I, I don't see other teams struggling here. Um, And it wasn't like some miracle thing. St. Joe's 
led for the final seven minutes of the first half and the entirety of the second. They're going to have to get something figured out. Uh, Villanova is. They didn't shoot. I mean, they hit 10 threes, but it took them 37 attempts to get there. So that's just 27%, 39% from the floor in totality. Justin Moore was the leading scorer for Nova. Same kind of thing. Had 17 points, but he needed 16 shots to get there, including three of 12 from three. So for Villanova, they just can't have days like this. And so we've seen it now twice, this one and then losing to Penn. All right, let's get to this Louisville news because it is hilarious. They were the lone team that got left out of the ACC SEC challenge, but they did play Bellarmine on Wednesday night and they did beat Bellarmine on Wednesday night, 73-68, despite being down at halftime. Louisville, come on, man. But that's not the story. The story is Tyler Johnson, who didn't get the tights he wanted, like tights, like Peter Pan, what he wears. Coach Kenny Payne said this, quote, the reason why Tyler Johnson didn't play a lot in the first half is they didn't have the tights he wanted and he didn't know if he wanted to go. He said, he goes on to say, quote, we didn't have the tights he wanted, so he didn't know if he wanted to play. What? What on earth? Uh, he goes on, Coach Payne, but he figured it out in the second half. He accepted the fact that we didn't have the tights that we've never had for him, and he played, and he played well, end quote. Like, I, I cannot wrap my college basketball loving brain around the circus show that is the Louisville Cardinals right now. Like, in in what, what, like, I feel like I'm being Truman showed here watching what's going on at Louisville. This is absolutely insane to me that this is a thing. You don't, like, and, and Coach Payne said, we never have had these tights. It's not like we usually have them and then we just forgot them this game. He's never, Johnson has never had these tights to wear. And he doesn't want to play. What are we doing? All right. Three games of note for you coming up later today on Thursday. Uh, a big kind of mid-major game. Liberty, 6-0. and They're undefeated and look really good. They are at FAU, who's 13th in our poll. They're 5-1. and Obviously, did have that one loss to Bryant. Um, that game is 6 Eastern on ESPNU. Tonight, uh, FAU favored by 7.5 at FanDuel. <clears throat> now that we're past the ACC SEC challenge, now we move into the Big East Big 12 battle this weekend, but it starts today. You've got Texas Tech 5 and 1 at Butler 5 and 2 in Hinkle, Butler by a point and a half. And then you've got one that I don't think is going to be much of a game, but it is a road game. Number 15 Creighton at Oklahoma State there in Stillwater, Blue Jays favored by eight and a half. But remember what just happened to Creighton. So I don't know what to expect. I'm going to be dialed in on those three games. Friends, thanks so much for making Locked On College Basketball your first listen or watch today to get your favorite college basketball content every single day. I want to ask you to subscribe to the show, video and audio, smash that like button, and love to hear your comments on all of these crazy games. So much entertainment that happened on Wednesday night. As always, apologies to the lawyer family. Let's go Wildcats. And until tomorrow, me and Andy all together on Friday. Peace.